Hey everybody, I'm Pam Matthews with IEVA and I am here with Dan Rogers. He is the vice president and executive producer of the much beloved Grand Ole Opry. Hello, Dan. Greetings, good to Greetings. see you. Greetings. Okay, so let's just jump right in. So okay. the Grand Ole Opry is essentially a radio show that's performed in front of a live audience. And that live audience, uh, live performance is part of the essential charm of the Opry. So you guys have been hosting weekly shows since last October. So think back, if you will, to when you were preparing to lift the red curtain for the first time, what was going on with you and the staff? Um, well, it really begins back, and I'll make it quick, but it really begins um, back in March when at, I don't have to remind anyone that the world was um, shutting down and we really have the Opry's history, I think, to thank for the fact that we didn't um, because while we did pause shows with a live audience in the house on Friday, March 13th, the next day on Saturday, March 14th, we had a live stream for the world to see and hear because, frankly, the Opry had been at it almost uninterrupted for 94 years at that point and we felt like you know it had to continue so we beginning on that saturday march 14th continued saturday broadcasts until that um show on um that first saturday of october where we were able to bring back 500 um audience members and i i think we have the well we have history to thank for us doing a live stream we have the live stream to thank for us not really being rusty in terms of making the show happen and kind of proving to ourselves and our community that we were in a place where we could welcome um, a an audience back. You know, we had a show on Saturday nights that um, health officials could come see, um, the mayor of Nashville could come take a look at and see, visualize, okay, we can put 500 people back in this um, building. So folks were itching to do it. Um, I will say it was, I, have a, I think I have a good example of how different it is than other things in that the Opry House flooded in 2010. So we were out of this venue for say five to six months. Um, and this was nothing like that return. That return was, there was pageantry and excitement and it would kind of the flood felt like we had a beginning a middle and an end. And the end was when that curtain came up and the Opry house or the Opry stage was flooded with all these Opry members hand in hand singing, will the circle be unbroken, which was awesome. Um, for this return, we had, and we continue to have so many restrictions yeah. It was an incredible return, but it was also checking every single box along the way to make sure that we were safe on stage, backstage, and and in the auditorium. Yeah, so almost like on crutches. You started back with a cast on your leg and crutches and maybe like a neck brace, and yeah, you were almost crippled. And, and we're, you know, we're still there, but it's um, by our own decision-making to be as safe as we possibly 
can be and and still have you know it was 500 and then a slight increase and now as of this date we're at 1100 people in the audience all socially distanced and asked to um, wear masks etc so so did, let's talk about that so just for those of you all who don't know the capacity at the opry house is 4400 and so you're now at 1100 are you opening up the balcony Mm -hmm. uh, we are just for maximum social distancing and you know it's um i mean that's just one i can't think of an area of our operation that has not changed um over the course of the past year but that's just one in terms of ticketing you know it's not as if um you did back in february of 20 went online picked your seats ordered them and showed up and sat in those seats. You, at this point, tell us how many people are in your party, which of two price levels you'd like, and then folks on our end work really hard from that period until really um, the time you come to the show to determine how we can safely seat people in that house, kind of in a checkerboard fashion where you have um, folks middle of a row, on the sides of the row, et cetera. And again, that's just one of the dozens and dozens of areas that have been have been changed for the time being. Well, let's talk about that. So talk tell me about that know before you go communication that you have with Opry fans so that they know what the standards are and um, you're trying to keep that fan experience at a certain level. Yeah, it's really important to us because I mean, one of our missions is has always been to connect artists with fans in a way that they might not get or probably don't get anywhere else on earth. So our mission is to continue doing that while again um, being safe. And so we do want people and it's important that people know kind of what we're expecting of them um, as an Opry fan and as a ticket purchaser at this time. So before you even can purchase a ticket you're um, acknowledging what our current protocol is. And I say current because it will fluctuate. I mean, like everything we're doing, we will together with a lot of communication on internal communication, be making decisions that, that change what we're able to do on stage and what our guests are able to do um, out front. But they're, well aware of all of those pieces before they ever um, check the box and you know say we're coming to um, the Opry and I will say the same is true for our artists we don't just say currently hey you want to come play the Opry it's hey you want to come play with us under these conditions um, just because we don't want to surprise anybody right so do you, before I buy an Opry ticket, do I need to check an I accept box? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, um, you know and acknowledge what we're asking of you during these difficult times. So um, just do you, I'm sure you do, what percentage do you have um, right this minute, like in the last 30 days, it's local versus those traveling to see the Opry? Well, if you know the Opry at all. I do know the yeah. Opry. <laughs> I know you know the Opry quite well. Um, the great majority of our guests have always um, come from sometimes more than even four and 500 miles away. And of course, um, 
that's changed. Um, but it hasn't changed as much, especially now, as, as you would think. We had um, Tennesseans as making up, say, 20% at least of our audience, which is, is greater than it has been. Um, but the interesting thing has been while the pandemic has made it more difficult, of course, for people to travel, um, simultaneously, we've been reaching more people than ever um, from a wider um, geographic area than ever the world, such that now we're in this place where, you know, you have the pandemic altering um, travel behaviors in terms of keeping people closer to home, but us reaching people from a greater distance that it's kind of leveling out, um, as, especially as we look, as we look further. Well, um, I do want to go back and talk about some specific protocols for the staff, including the band and guest artists and then patrons. But since you brought it up, um, so once the pandemic hit, the Opry used Circle TV to not just use the TV networks, but to live stream on social media. So talk to me about that. You already alluded to it, that you're just reaching more fans globally than before. So tell me a little bit more about that. And then um, are you, what are you going to continue to do with those live streams once we're back to full capacity? Well, like, uh, like a lot of things over the past year, it continues to be a work in progress in terms of where we'll be and when. But as you can imagine, it's really important to us to um, maintain that great track that we're on to reach as many people as we can continue to reach even after they're you know no longer being told on every news outlet stay home um and when we're um not really the only game in town on a saturday night right. there's something new in live entertainment so that's always going to be really important to us we in many ways got really lucky that in january of 20 circle television was launched so i mean I can tell you, we did not have a crystal ball and no knew that two months later, it would have been incredibly important for us to have launched that network such that literally we canceled shows with a live audience on Friday, March 13th and the morning hours of Saturday, March 14th, we were able to say, hey, not only to those people who aren't going to be sitting in the pews who thought they were going to be, but to the world, you can tune in and see this show um, that we had thought we were going to be presenting to a radio audience and to um, 4,400 people in the pews. So we'll, um, I mean, it's been a long, hard um, year in terms of making that show available live stream and circle wise. And circle has grown incredibly over the course of that year in terms of where audiences can find it. So we'll be doing um, lots of work to determine with Circle the best means um, moving forward to showcase the Opry on Saturday nights and who knows, you know, hopefully some performances from Opry shows on um, the other nights of the week as well. We'll be back with um, Tuesday night performances, um, everyone willing, um, beginning in May and our Friday shows returned a few weeks ago. So yeah. we'll be three nights a week here pretty darn quickly. Super exciting. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about some specific protocols, like for the staff, 
and then for the patrons, when I say staff, I mean like house staff and then the band um, and the guests and then for um, patrons, like what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, what are you doing now? Like tell people what it's been like so they know what to expect when they open up. I don't have a specific percentage, Pam, but I will say some days it feels like truly 80% of the work we do is to get to the place that we were in February of 20, just in terms of shows um, day in and day out. You know, there's a long, long list of all the pieces we have to be thinking about before we even make an invitation to an artist to appear. Um, our, I can't say enough about our staff, our band, our background singers um, as of today. And I keep saying as of today, because it really, we're, we're working toward um, changes and to progress, but you just can't move faster than you should. Um, but as of today, every artist that appears on the Opry is either playing solo acoustic mm -hmm. or with our Opry band um, only. So you, I don't have to tell you, anybody who's seen the Opry, how much that's asking of our band, not even, not just in terms of quantity, um, but in terms of musical styles and my gosh, have they risen to the occasion. They've not literally, but they've become a bluegrass band um, when needed to play along with Sam Bush a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, awesome. They've accompanied Hall of Fame legends. They've accompanied um, folks who have um, the number one song on the country charts mm -hmm. a particular week. It's been, I mean, we knew they were up for the challenge, but it's been pretty darn amazing. Um, and that's all under strict protocol as well. You know, the social distancing, masks, um, et cetera. Plexiglass, I see the plexiglass everywhere. And, I saw Craig Morgan on Saturday. And I have to say, um, you know, while I give props to the band, I give props to the artists who do choose to come and play with us as well. We appreciate that they'll stick their necks out and do an solo acoustic um, song from time to time and maybe, you know, play the songs that our band feels most comfortable with, but they're up for a challenge too. So are you doing food and beverage yet? So they just started food and beverage, I guess it's two weeks ago now, and it's very um, limited in terms of um, the offerings, but I will say, I don't know, I think it's just a um, hunger um, not literally from a food <laughs> standpoint, but for some normalcy, you know, guests have like, have taken it upon themselves to thank our um, crew for making that available. It's just, you know, one more step toward um, a live music and a live event as, as we once knew it. Of course, it comes with challenges just like everything else. Um, these days, but it was, it's something that you um, just have to do, I think, as we did, and think through all possible scenarios, and then um, the soon as the curtain comes down that first um, night, talk internally about um, 
the scenarios you missed when you were thinking of all possible scenarios. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, so I do sort of want to end on that. Um, give us some advice, like some of the things that um, you, when you're thinking, we ran through all these protocols, we thought through everything we could think of, and this is the one thing that we missed. Tell us some of the things that, that so we can learn the lessons from you, please. Um, I think it, it's, it's an obvious one, but I would just say not to take anything for granted, to really look through your, how you did business before you opened and study every, every part of that, um, of, of, of that organization and go to those responsible for all those areas you know, in our case, tours and F&B and our in-house staff and show them the whole night um, and have them all contribute to their ideas and their thoughts on it. Because, you know, sometimes, as you well know, an usher's job is far about far more than just getting people to section two, row B, have them think about how F and B is going to play into their role, et cetera. And to be ready to, um, you know, dissect it all the next day. That's what we've been all about um, for months now. And um, be ready to um, make changes, honestly, going forward. And maybe um, not being able to take a few steps back if necessary and say, well, we, we got ahead of ourselves there this is what we need to do at least for the next two weeks or three weeks or whatever the case may be. And in, in Nashville, we're incredibly lucky. You already mentioned the world-class talent, musical talent that we have here. We also have medical professionals. So just really briefly, you, I know that you had Vanderbilt folks come in. You mentioned that you had the mayor come in. Um, was that helpful? I mean, obviously you have to involve your, your local health department before you make decisions, but any keys to that? I think anytime you can deal with those professionals and even just get their professional opinion on, on, on items that maybe it's not a matter of, Hey, we need your approval on this. But in the case, um, in our case with Vanderbilt, it's been probably three weeks ago now, I had just various scenarios that we want to get to. It wasn't a case of, can we have more than this many people in a dressing room? It was, help me understand if my strategy is the best strategy here. So yeah, that's been... Absolutely. Um, I can't imagine doing that without those folks. And I highly recommend that not just necessarily a, um, can we get approval on this, but a, here are 10 questions and here are my 10 ways of answering this. This is what I intend to do. Can you stop me if anything looks like a, um, something, a road we shouldn't be going down? Well, I mean, that's always the case with, with good leaders like you, Dan. I mean, you don't have to know all the answers, but you know who to go to to get those right, best answers. So, okay. I, I'm being very conscious of your time today, and I am so grateful, and I cannot wait to go back to the Opry House or the Ryman to see my love, the Grand <laughs> Opry. So, well, um, 
we can't wait till everybody out there is in the same business we are. And hopefully little by little, we'll all be um, growing and by maybe Q3 and Q4, we'll, um, I hope to get out and see lots and lots of people and lots of great music across the country. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you, Absolutely. Dan Rogers. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Yeah. Bye.